Welcome, 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 my friends. You are listening to It's Simply Digital, and I am your host, Lisa Williams. This is the podcast that gives you tips, tricks, and strategies to up your digital marketing game and make you a savvy digital success. We dive into all things business, entrepreneurship, and of course, digital marketing. You are listening to episode number 94 of It's Simply Digital, and today's guest is Laura Gassner-Odding. She is the author of Washington Post bestseller, Limitless. She is also a speaker and a coach, and she's been on TEDx, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and she's the founder of Limitless Possibilities, and I'm so excited to introduce her today. Hey, Laura, thanks so much for joining me. I'm so excited that you're here today. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, so um, I want to just kind of give my listeners a, an idea of where I met you, which was Clubhouse. But yes. you know, you have to get off Clubhouse to really engage in a conversation. <laughs> so let's talk about Clubhouse really quick because you know I hear all these great things. Of course, everybody wants to be on and jump on, and it's very exclusive because if you have to have an iPhone to to do it. And um, but you know, I'm also starting to hear a few negative things like there's pop and there's people that are paid to be moderators and they're very exclusive clubs. So let's kind of talk about like the good and the bad of, of Clubhouse, first of all. Sure, so sure. what are your thoughts on that? So yes, there is absolutely grift there. There are people paying to play. There are people who are supporting their friends and um, squelching other voices. Uh, mm -hmm. There are... Um, people inflating who they are. But honestly, that exists on every social media platform. Of and that's course. existed since the beginning of time, right? I mean, P.T. Right. Barnum, there's a sucker born every minute. <laughs> that's always existed. It's always been there. And, you know, there's, I'm not a re super religious person, but there's tons of Bible stories about people who do that. I mean, it's like the story right. is as old as time. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot of negative things about Clubhouse. Absolutely. If you go on, there's like a million rooms about millionaires and billionaires and quadrillionaires teaching you how to like... 10x your money with this one simple email <laughs> hack. But there are also more women, more LGBTQ people, more um, people of color, more black people who are holding microphones and holding space and speaking and opening up their own rooms and, and, and contributing to rooms that aren't their rooms. And in any other conference, any other social media app, any other space I've ever been in. And I mm -hmm. love that. And I think the barrier of entry is so much lower, especially for women who feel like we can't show up at a conference or on stage or in video unless our hair is done, our makeup is done and all of that. So the fact that we can clubhouse from anywhere while we're on the Peloton or while we've got a baby in our arms, while we just look like, you know, the cat dragged us in, I mm -hmm. think that's incredibly democratizing. So that's one thing I love about it. Another thing I love about it is that it's like an instant focus group for what you say. So if I put something out on, on, on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn, I'm a victim to the algorithm. Right. I can't control that. Right. But if there are a thousand people in a room and I get brought up on stage and I say something and before I start speaking, I have 7,000 followers. And when I finish, I have 7,200 followers. Hmm. 20% of the people in that room and probably half of the people in the room who are actually listening and engaged liked what I had to say. That's a message I should repeat again. I should write a post about that. That should go in my next book. If nobody likes what I said, if nobody else follows me, 
hmm, that's also an interesting thing, <laughs> right? So I can right. go into very specific rooms where people self-select as women founders or entrepreneurs or stay-at-home moms or whatever it is. I can test messages in real time. And that's pretty cool. And then the last thing that I'll say is, is that I think um, there's more kindness on the platform. I mean, there are plenty of right. abusive, you're an idiot, you can't be an entrepreneur type places. But if you go into rooms where that's not the idea of the room, like the speed pitch rooms, uh-huh. people are kinder because nobody can react to you with this like kind of anonymous keyboard warrior type thing. Right. So you don't, you're, not like, hiding. There's no, you're not hiding. And so you have to actually say the words that you're thinking or keep them right. to yourself. And our mom has always told us, you don't think anything kind to say, don't say <laughs> anything at all. So I have found that people just either are silent or mm-hmm. they're additive to the conversation in ways that I think are pretty useful. So uh, for those, I, I have lots of other reasons why I like it, but I'll just, I'll, I'll start there and tell you that that's, that's been my experience so far. No, and I, I have to be very mindful of my time on Clubhouse because I run a business, right? And so I have to focus, you know, on my clients as everybody does who's on there. But um, I mean, some of these chat rooms go on 24 hours with just different moderators just coming up all the yes. time. And there's so much value. And I think for me, what I have gained out of it, and I'm not on it nearly as much as I'd like to be, but I'm able to slide into some of these rooms and just listen to the questions that people Mm -hmm. are asking. And if I know those answers, guess what I could do? I could go start a room and I could answer some of these questions that people are asking. And so, and, and you know, just listening and taking notes. And I love the value that, you know, when you bring all these moderators up on stage, this is value you don't get anywhere else. You know, you have to drop an email to get some of this value. You have to really hunt these people down to get an actual conversation with them. Some people are are not able, you're not able to. So I love that you have immediate value without having to give up anything but time and and you're just listening. Yes. Yes. And you know, the other thing when you're saying, when I hear some of these questions and I know the answers, I can go start a room on it. A a dear friend of mine, uh, whose name is Marcus Sheridan, uh, has a book out that's called They Ask You Answer. And Marcus went from being like the pool guy, like helping, you know, he was like, he was building pools, basically, that Uh that was his job to becoming one of the biggest sales team trainers in the country. I mean, he like he's the sales line. He goes out and he trains these huge teams on how to be better at sales. And his whole thing is you just got to answer the questions you know that your clients have, your potential clients have. So what he did, how he built his pool business is he said to himself, what are the questions that people ask when they're thinking about building a pool? How Uh much will it cost to build a pool? What are pools made of? How much space do I need for the pool? Can I build a pool, you know, in a place that gets cold half of the year? And he, he, he built a website and he built a page that was like frequently asked questions and he listed all those questions and then he answered them. So when people were Googling, how much does it cost to build a pool? Guess whose website came up? His website came up. So you can also take, I mean, there's so much focus group, immediacy of focus group from your self-selected audience that's just sitting there. So you can take those questions and say like, okay, well, if those people have questions, there's probably a thousand more of those people. And how many customers do you really need, right? So um, (laughs) it's it's kind of amazing. So I have have like on my desk here behind me, I have like a billion post-it notes of just questions I hear people answer 
answer or like they only take you know a couple moderators to answer you know questions at a time so sure. i'm not gonna i don't want to talk the whole time even though i could probably answer 10 questions in a row so <laughs> right. i just write them down and i'm like oh that's interesting i'm gonna write an instagram post about that i'm gonna write a blog post about that that's gonna go on my next book like it's yes. just it's really it's really great way to do that yeah like just listening that's all you need to do is just yes. listen just okay, listen they so tell you everything you need yeah so i'm going to transition because i want to talk about you and your book and it's just um speaking to me because how do you define success we have this narrative in our head that success means you've got to grind you've got to hustle you've got to 10x you've got to be the next millionaire and so i love how you break it down and say success is what success means to you yes. not what the noise that's coming at you is saying. Yes. So what clicked for you? How did you get to that space? Because, you know, you, you like everybody else, grows up going, oh, I have to be successful. I have to be successful. Mm -hmm. Like the world tells me I have to be successful. So how do you get to that space where you wrote this book and you said, I don't have to be successful based on society. I get to choose what that looks like. Yes, yeah, so, so many people ask me why I wrote Limitless. And uh -huh. my answer is that I wrote it because I needed it. <laughs> I needed it. I needed it 10 <laughs> years ago. I needed it 20 years ago. Frankly, I would love for it to be required reading for every college freshman. I mean, I just, sure. I, I, I think that we grow up in this success obsessed world and look, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with success, but we are given this idea that success comes in one package and one package alone. Mm -hmm. In 2013, I read lean in. And I wanted to love it. I desperately wanted to love it. I knew I was supposed to love it, right? I have a uterus, I'm a female, like we're supposed to be part of the lean in army. <laughs> right. And it's not, my issue with lean in wasn't the same as a lot of people, which is Sheryl Sandberg used all this success, all this, all this privilege to get to success. Good for her, right? Like we'd right. be crazy not to use every ounce of privilege we have at our disposal. In fact, I did it. It worked for me. We're sisters, right? Like it works. Right. Right. We'd be crazy not to. My issue was that she defines success as one particular singular myopic definition. Mm -hmm. The fastest and most expedient path to the corner office is successful. Take every opportunity, every job, every sacrifice, do it early and often in your career so it pays dividends as your career unfolds. Great, T makes a ton of sense. I did it, it worked for her, it worked for me. But then I got to the top and I was like, the top of what? This isn't actually where I wanna be. And right. I think that definition of success is great for a lot of people, but it's not great for everyone. And by the way, despite all of this leaning in, even her own research shows that women are not making any more money than they were before. And there's certainly not any more women in the C-suite. So PS, it doesn't actually necessarily work. So my issue with lean in wasn't how she, it wasn't how she achieves success, it was how she defines success because it basically says that if that's not your path, then you're not successful. And what I realized was I spent 20 years interviewing thousands of leaders in these massive bowel-shaking moments of career change, stewarding their organizations through these massive bowel-shaking moments of organization disruption. And I got to get to know a lot of them pretty well. And what sure. I learned is that despite all this success, I was calling the most successful people in the world, trying to recruit them away on behalf of my candidates or behalf of my clients. Just Despite all this success, those thousands of people, they still took my calls. Why? Because despite all the success, they weren't actually happy because we were all them, me, all of us defining success as this one thing when it turns out that success isn't bigger, better, faster, more. It's consonants 
it's alignment. It's when what you do matches who you are so you can be in alignment and flow and bring the very best of what you do to the problem that you want to solve and that you get rewarded for solving that problem in a way that's actually meaningful to you. And we don't get taught that in school when they say, pick a major, pick a college, pick a trade, pick a job. And we go, okay. Because when that happens, we're usually 17, 16, 15 years old. And you know what happens Mm -hmm. when you're that old? You know what you don't have when you're that old? A frontal lobe. (laughs) Right. Like it's the actual part of your brain (laughs) that dictates good sound logical decision making. And so we're asked to pick a decision, we're asked to make a decision that's going to affect the rest of lives when we literally do not have the capacity to make a good one. So is it any wonder we wake up one day at 25, at 35, at 45, at 55 and look around and go, is this Mm. all there is? Is this all I was meant for? There's got to be something else out there. So it's interesting that you talk about the frontal lobe and then, you know, 17, 18, you know, my son, he's 21. He's graduating from college in a couple of months in May. And he's called me in a panic multiple times over the last three or four months. Literally, I have to talk him off the ledge because he doesn't know what he wants to do. Yeah. And I keep telling him it's okay to not know. Yes. You are so young it's okay to not know. And so, you know, we've kind of got to a place where he feels a little calmer and he feels a little settled, but again, we put so much pressure on ourselves, on young people, on college graduates. Like if you don't have an internship, if you don't have a job lined up, you know, if you don't have all this, then you're not going to be successful. And not just an internship and a job, but the internship and the job, and it has to be perfect. And So here's what you can tell him. In those 20 years of interviewing those thousands of super, super highly successful people, Uh you know who the most interesting people were? In fact, you know who the only interesting people were? The ones who had left turns and right turns and U-turns. The ones who who went to college with a major, graduated in that major, got a job in that major and worked in that major for the next 25 years were boring. Miserable, Miserable, Mm -hmm. boring, not successful at all the ones who are interesting the ones who spent time figuring out what matters to them going you know from this calling to that calling to the next calling finding different ways to connect to their work understanding how that work contributes to their life and the kind of person they want to be and making specific intentional decisions when they felt like they needed more control over any of those things those are the ones who were interesting because here's the thing that you should tell him it is impossible impossible, not just hard, it is impossible to be insatiably hungry for somebody else's goals. And you cannot be successful in life if you are not insatiably hungry for the thing that you want to go after. So everyone's like, oh, all you need to do is follow your passion. What's that mean? I think follow your passion is the world's (laughs) worst advice. In fact, I often say that it's the, it is the career advice stepsister of the live, Mm -hmm. love, laugh tattoo. It's stupid. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it's not a destination. It's not even a journey. Follow your passion. And we have these Instagram influencers with, I call them the Instafluencers, right? The Instafluencers (laughs) who implore us with all of their, you know, feather crown, boho chic might. And they're like, follow your passion. And what do you, what do you do? What does that tell you? That tells your son things like, as long as you find your passion and you follow it, everything's going to be perfect and easy. Right. And then right. the minute something goes wrong, the minute it gets hard for him, he goes, oh, well, this must not be my passion because I'm following it. So it should work out. When in fact, your passion 
your passion's going to mess you up. Your passion is going to throw you down. Your passion is going to gut you. And you're going to keep wanting to get up over and over and over again and get better at it because it's your passion. And doesn't yes. your passion deserve that much? And so he shouldn't worry about figuring it out and finding it. He should think about investing in it. How does he become an interesting person? Mm -hmm. Do things that are interesting to him. And when right. you do things that are interesting to you, you meet other interesting people. people and when you do yes. interesting things with interesting people, interesting opportunities arise. And so throughout my book, I talk about people who had these interesting experiences. I end my book with a with 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 Jack Lew, who's the former United States Secretary of the Treasury. People would argue he probably had a pretty successful career. <laughs> but when I met him, it was 1993, and he had come to work in the Clinton White House. I was kind of a nobody. He was maybe like a seven year ahead of me, sort of nobody, but he uh -huh. had left a really promising job working for a very um, lucrative New York law firm to come write the legislation for this tiny little national service program and a campaign promise of Bill Clinton. And everyone was like, what are you crazy? Like that might not even get passed in Congress. And if it does, it's this dinky little thing. Why are you stepping out of this great pathway that you've built for yourself. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know what? It just sounds interesting. I think it's a good thing to do. And I kind of like the guy who's running it. So he came to work for Eli Siegel, my you know former boss mentor who ran this um, organization. And we passed that legislation. It became AmeriCorps. And more than a million young people have served in that program that have helped them do community service in exchange for college tuition. And while he was doing it, he happened to meet Hillary Clinton and mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton brought him on to become her chief of staff when she became secretary of state under Obama. And then he became the head of the office of management and budget under Obama. And then he became Obama's chief of staff. And then Obama made him the secretary of the treasury. Okay. None of those things would have happened if he hadn't stepped off the quote unquote successful path to do interesting things with interesting people. Those interesting opportunities would never have arisen. Yeah, so it, it's it's leading you to, to like you said, aligning with with who what you feel is right within you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm 52. I'm just now figuring that out and just now getting aligned. You know, I got yeah. let go of my job back in September due to COVID. Stepped out on my own, grew my little side hustle into my full-time business mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, which has been what I have loved and wanted to do this whole time. And as soon as I did that, Laura, it's like the stars, the moon, the, the universe, everything just aligned with me. You were in consonance. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was amazing. And I sit there in awe. I mean, I journal a lot and I write mm -hmm. in my journal and I literally sit there in awe and go, why didn't I do this years ago? <laughs> what yeah. happened? Yeah. So why, so, so why didn't you, why didn't you do it years ago? Fear, you know, mm -hmm. fear, um, fear of, and, and it's really interesting because, you know, you have this fear of not having this stable job or this stable paycheck or mm -hmm. this steadiness. Well, I got fired. Uh, so there's no stability there at all. You know, that it's, yep. it's a perceived thought in your head that because I have a job, it equals stability. Oh, so, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. we, we, we do have this idea. We do have this thought that um, we have control when in fact, it's often an illusion. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I know that if there's anything that COVID has taught me, it is that I uh, took a lot for granted um, mm -hmm. that I did not 
necessarily think I mean, I had these, I had this, this, this idea of like, you know, I'm a speaker, I, I travel around, I go to stages, I speak on big stages in front of big conferences, and people pay me money to do it. That is my job. It's a super weird job, but that is my job. And then all of a sudden, there were no stages, there were no events, there were no airplanes, like uh, my job disappeared. And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, this is a problem. I'm done. I have to figure out how to reinvent again. I, I can't be a speaker anymore. Uh -huh. And after like two months of um, a lot of Oreos and s'mores <laughs> in my pity party, um, in uh -huh. the burning ashes of what was left over of my, of my pity party <laughs> in my career, I had this realization that COVID wasn't the problem, that I was the problem. That it was my mm -hmm. lack of creativity. And then mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I've got a webcam. I've got an internet connection. I could just go live on Facebook. I could just go live on LinkedIn. I could just go live on YouTube. I could just talk to people. And suddenly I was a speaker again. And I was mm -hmm. doing not just virtual keynotes because some of my clients were like, can you do this? Can we like, we, we have an event in two weeks. What can we do? But I was actually creating my own audiences. And suddenly I had a much bigger audience than I had before. And what I realized was I was, you know, met a moment. I was limited by everyone else's definition of what <laughs> a speaker should be. Okay. And, you know, like my book is called Limitless, How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path and Live Your Best Life. And I was being limited and I was not ignoring anybody and I certainly wasn't carrying my own path. And so I wasn't living my best life. And I had to find that myself and figure mm -hmm. out how to, how to get there. But it definitely took this question of, well, when life returns to normal, is the life I'm going back to the life I really want? Like is the normal I'm going back to the life? And it, life. it's not, right? It's not. So, you know, how do we, how do we want to be? I spent a lot of time in COVID not thinking about what I wanted to be or, or, or how much I wanted to make, or I thought a lot about like how, who I wanted to show up as, how I wanted to be in that time. And, you know, for you, it was, you wanted to have more control over, mm -hmm. you know, who you are and the income that you make. And, you know, that's one of the C's of calling connection, contribution and control. That's one of the C's of consonants. So, um, you know, at different ages and at different life stages, we want and need different amounts of each of calling, connection, contribution, and control. And for a lot of people during, you know, this next sea of COVID, uh -huh. control became really important. Well, okay. So I love how you say, um, you know, do I want my life to look like it used to pre-COVID? Because I think we have this perceived this perception that we're all gonna go back to normal at some point, whatever normal looks like for you. And I don't necessarily think that that's really what's gonna happen. I think there's this, we've evolved, we've changed, things have gotten different. COVID just escalated it and made it happen a lot faster than probably it was gonna happen in the first place. I mean, like you, for instance, transitioned from speaking on stage to speaking virtually and you broadened your audience probably tenfold mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. <laughs> so so why how can you get people to think different or think like it's not going to be back to normal this is what our life looks like right now this is what yeah. it's going to be yeah. yeah yeah so i have i have an executive coaching client 
who called me up a couple weeks ago and he is every time we talk normally we do coaching i do my coaching with him while he's walking to work and he <laughs> loves it he loves walking to work he loves being in the fresh air he like literally 15 minutes into the conversation every time i can hear he stops at his favorite coffee shop and he orders his latte and he gets his little croissant and then he keeps going and we, he's got like a 45 minute walk to work and our sessions are 45 minutes long and he'll tell me things like he'll be in the middle of talking he's like oh my god there's such a beautiful blue jay and he he just it lights him up. He feels mm -hmm. good. He gets in his exercise. It just, it's everything to him. And it works out really well because he can also slot in his coaching and start his day really well. And then a couple of weeks ago, he called me up and he was like, God, you know, because I've just been in a funk for the last week. And I was like, well, why? Why, why are you in such a funk? And he goes, you know, my neighbor got a really nice convertible. It's beautiful. It's bright red. I don't know. He's like, it's like a, it's like a, a, a super fancy car. And I, I don't even know what cars are like, cause I don't even care about cars. And I, I love walking to work, but it's really pretty. Cause and I kind of think maybe I want a convertible now. And I just don't know if I can afford it. And I was like, well, do you want to start driving to work? And he's like, no. And I'm like, is there any theory you want to go where, you know, you need to drive to? And he was like, no. He's like, I love walking places. And I think the environment is better when we take public transportation. I was like, so why do you want a shiny red convertible? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I guess I don't. <laughs> but we get this in our mind. We get this idea of this bigger, better, faster, more, right? Mm -hmm. And we, we see people on social media and they're, you know, showing us their perfect fancy lives. And they're like, hashtag blessed and all this nonsense. And so, you know, I think we got to just say, screw the Joneses, right? Like all those people right. we're trying to, to, to keep up with the ones, the ones we're spending, what, what is that thing? Like you spend money to, to, uh, that you don't have to impress, to buy things you don't need to impress people right. you don't like. Right. But we right. do that. We do that all the time, all the time. And, and it's so bad for us. And so I think the first thing to do, if you're like, I don't even know if I want my life to go back to what it was, is to say like, what causes you joy? What makes you happy? What do you consider to be success? So, you know, I, I think that there are, we first thing we do is we go to, we go to numbers, right? We go to money. Right. And right. so we're like, well, I'd like to make more money. Okay. Well, maybe, but let me ask you this. Are you somebody who likes to take a vacation and go to beautiful cosmopolitan European cities where it's like an overnight, but you know, first class flight where you wake up in the morning in your four star hotel and you have your breakfast in bed on your 800 thread count sheets? Okay. That's one kind of person. What about if you're somebody who wants to go deep into the Grand Canyon and camp out and spend, you know, weeks getting all the way out there and going native and, and, and you like to have your breakfast in your, you know, your little, uh, in your, in your sleeping bag over the uh -huh. campfire that you built yourself. Okay. The first one takes a lot of money, but not a lot of time. Right? right. So right. you need a high salary, but you're willing to give up some vacation time. Whereas the second one, that's a lot of money, but it takes a ton of time. Mm -hmm. So your version of success, what makes you happy, what causes you joy, what allows you to be the person you want to be might be very different. And when I was doing recruiting, we used to say that there were like eight motivating factors that would motivate anybody at any time to take any job. And they were things like, am I inspired by the leader? What is the mission of the organization or the company? How many, what are the skills that I'm going to learn in this? How prestigious is it going to look on my resume? What scale of impact am I going to be able to make? Um, there were things like, uh, um, 
uh, what is the upward trajectory? Like, what's the mobile, the upward trajectory I'm going to have? What's the geography? How long is, you know, how long is my commute going to be and the benefits? And then there was money. There was always money. But money was very rarely the Mm -hmm. top one. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it was, but not always. And so it's really thinking about not taking that scorecard of what makes a job good, but creating it and reprioritizing it so that it's what makes a job good for you. For you. Yeah. Wow. I could just talk to you all day. (laughs) Seriously. Um, Okay. How can my listeners find you? How can they get a hold of you? Where do you, what do you, I know you do coaching. So tell us about a little bit about how they could get a hold of you. Yeah. So my name is Laura Gassner Odding. It's a lot of name. I'm a lot of woman. (laughs) People get it wrong all the time. And all my good friends call me LGO. So I am on every social platform as Hey LGO. LGO. Hey LGO. Um, And if you go to HeyLGO.com, that's actually a shortcut that gets you to my website where you can learn about my executive coaching. You can learn about my book Limitless. Uh, You can learn about the, you know, how the the speaking that I do. um, And you can learn about my Limitless course that I also have for people who want to go deeper and learn more. Awesome. And everything will be linked up in the show notes. The book has been fabulous. I have got so much out of it. It really speaks to me because it's the way I think. So it was just like so much in alignment with with what I do. So thank you so much for jumping on and doing this interview. It's been awesome. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thanks again for listening to It's Simply Digital. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It helps me bring on some amazing guests. And you could get a hold of me at itsimplydigital.com or Lisa at itsimplydigital.com. I hope you have a blessed day.